Hi there, and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast by Saving Duty Rice. My name is Connor Rasmussen, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of our season this semester. We have uh, three new members with us right now. I want you to go around the tables and introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, I'm Harry Golan. I am a freshman at Jones College. Uh, hey, y'all. My name is Orlando Cervantes. I'm a senior at Woolworths College. Hi, I'm Cuomo, and I'm also a freshman at Rice University and Jones College. Fantastic. So as we always start with these episodes with uh, some current events, I imagine you guys have some current events you'd like to share with us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just wanted to give an update on the Brexit situation going on over in Europe. Uh, so right now we've got uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who's just un- unveiled his new Brexit plan and is uh, looking to have some more significant support from the House of Commons than the old Brexit plan. Uh, but there's still questions about whether the EU can agree to that plan, and which they've signified that they're not all that willing to do, and whether uh, Johnson can even last as prime minister until the October 30 deadline. Cool. Um, my current issue is that uh, recently President Trump has signed this proclamation that would bar legal immigrants who cannot pay for health insurance uh, within 30 days of their arrival. Uh, this would typically impact um, people who are applying for visas currently, uh, and it is expected to be challenging the courts. And I wanted to talk about Bernie Sanders, who just unfortunately had a heart attack uh, yesterday. And he got his surgery done in Las Vegas. And he's returning back to Vermont to be with his family. And it, I just hope that it gets better and it doesn't necessarily significantly affect his campaign. And just that this time, he just spends it with his family and takes some sort of a break. Yeah, we hope he gets better. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so the topic that we wanted to talk about this episode was basically general current events as far as how politics are going right now with the presidential primaries underway uh, and other stuff that's going on. So do you guys want to start off? you have anything in particular you wanted to point out? Yeah, so in terms of the presidential primaries, um, it's been interesting. There's uh, the front runner sort of to this point has been Joe Biden. Um, but it looks like Elizabeth Warren is doing better and better. Um, and then there are other candidates that definitely have a shot. Um, at this point, I think it there's a pretty clear top six, and I think it's very unlikely that anyone outside of that top six comes in to win. Um, but I think it, it's hard to see now how we get to a how we get to one nominee. Yeah. I know that Joe Biden is still kind of considered the front runner, but mm-hmm. do you think it's possible that he might be passed by the end of the primary by like th- Elizabeth Warren? By the end of the primary, I definitely think it's possible. There's just so much time between now and the first votes, and even more time between when it's likely the nominee will be clinched. Um, I wouldn't say that Elizabeth Warren has passed him yet. I think she's sort of got herself into a situation where she's fighting pretty much on equal level at this point. Um, with the vice president, but uh, he's a very popular figure within the party, as as she is. So it, it, it'll be an interesting fight. Do you think that it's just because like he was vice president? It's a name that people know? Or I don't. I don't, don't at all. Um, I think that he um, is a very talented politician, and he's been putting those talents to work for a very long time. Um, and I think he's done a really good job at setting himself apart from the rest of the candidates um, in terms of policy. He's sort of 
really has his own niche. Um, I think people know what uh, what sort of things he's likely to support. I also think that um, there's a bit of, there's a lot of talk about sort of the party moving left, um, but I also think that the when you look at the numbers of actual Democratic voters, it hasn't moved left as much as like people on TV uh, tend to think it has, and the people and most of the candidates have sort of aligned themselves towards. Mm. I think that's helped him. Yeah, I feel like I kind of really agree with what he said. Um, I honestly feel like uh, Biden is going to be outrun, but I am conflicted as to whether he would be outrun by either Senator Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, because both of them are doing pretty decent right now, I'd say so. But I definitely feel like he's not going to be nominated as the Democratic candidate. Hmm. Is it just like a feeling or is it like something you've um, Kind of like a combination of both. I feel like Biden has not been as active as the other two. And I also feel like they've been, especially lately, they've been pretty active and pretty firm with their stances. And I feel like Biden is kind of like losing his consistency. And so that's sort of the logical point of view. But yeah, also, it's kind of like a combination of both, I'd say. Yeah, I know a lot of people are trying to get on his case about the whole memory loss thing, like he's getting too old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that because, um, yeah, I just, it, it it's just a different thing to say, but I definitely, yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, with that, uh, with Senator Sanders' heart attack, as Cole exactly. was talking about, too. It definitely brings the discussion around age more into the discussion about the primary. Um, and so even though like that happened to Senator Sanders in particular, I think the more that Wade age is like a part of the conversation, I think that hurts all three of the frontrunners. Yeah. Uh, there's another thing I remember that some Democratic voters talk about is that they're afraid that there's too much like skeletons in the closet for Biden or something that if mm-hmm. he were to get the nomination, then going up against Trump, they're afraid that he would fall in the polls significantly right. because and of that's, that. That's definitely been huge recently with the conversations in the impeachment inquiry between um, his son Hunter Biden's dealings with Ukraine. Um, and most of that's sort of been shown to be unsubstantiated so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think could have some sort of effect where it gets people thinking about exactly what you're talking about, what sort of things he's been around for a long time, and what sort yeah, of things we yeah. don't know about yet. Also, I feel like if Biden is nominated as a Democratic candidate, he would mostly use the Ukraine scandal as a defense because it was like personally and directly related mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. So that would kind Smart. of play probably uh, not technically in the favor of him because I feel like he's going to base his entire campaign, uh, the remainder of his campaign around that uh yeah do you have any thoughts orlando um yeah it's just like it's kind of surprising to hear that like um that sort of like take that uh that biden is such like an astute politician because i definitely kind of uh have observed it more as a like that biden's kind of running like a star power of like oh yeah i was vp to obama um and so it's kind of been a draw in for like uh minority wars as well because mm-hmm. of like the obama legacy um and and then, like, the whole, like, skeleton in the closet thing and then kind of, like, being a bit, uh, 
not as consistent across his time as a politician compared to True. like you know say Bernie Sanders, which a big draw for him has been that he mm -hmm. uh, has been com completely consistent since he's his time as a senator. All right, so we just had a, a jump cut real quick because Chad, our other mem returning member, just joined us. Uh, Chad, we're talking about presidential primaries and stuff about you know Joe Biden being the front runner, uh, possible implications of all that. Do you have any thoughts? <clears throat> um, it's interesting recently, especially with what I'm sure you've already mentioned with regarding Ukraine. Actually, we haven't brought it up too much yet, but yeah, we we do kind of want to get into it. Yeah. Um, I know one thing that's interesting to note recently is uh, his loss of overall income with his campaign donations and that he's taken a lower position compared to Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. I think he might be in third. He's in third right now. Yeah. So this quarter uh, that's just coming in now as we speak, uh, Sanders and Warren are both around $25 million. Um, Biden's in third about $11 million. Um, And I think we're seeing that because of all the allegations against Biden, as well as Hunter Biden, um, which is really interesting. Interesting. I yeah. think I disagree with that. I think that yeah. Let's get into let's get into the Ukraine stuff. Why? Yeah. So I think I disagree with sort of the effect it's had on Biden so far. I mean, most of the fundraising for this quarter was before the story broke, um, but I think that a lot of the basically the people who are already supporting Biden are unlikely to be swayed by that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'll, it's probably more of a rallying cry for people who were sort of unsure about Biden or weren't all in on him. Um, but I think the people who are devoted to him and giving money and making up that, that fundraising number were, are unlikely to drop their support. But I also think that, I mean, it's, it's really hard to know at this point. Yeah. And also it's, I think that if you look over everything, all the different sources, it's really interesting to kind of see where any foul play is. Um, I mean, they're saying that Hunter Biden made billions. That's right. Yeah, so so basically what there's, I mean, the business dealings are murky, but there's been, there have been investigations in both Ukraine and the United States. Right. Um, and about it, and he's been cleared, so. Right, and the prosecutor general of uh, Ukraine, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, says that they're not actually opening a new case against anybody, but mm -hmm. rather they're going back and auditing 15 previous cases that have already taken place, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think everybody in the media necessarily knows or thinks. Which yeah, so it's, it's all been investigated, and he's been cleared. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But that's it's definitely swaying public opinion against them. Yeah, yeah, hard to say. It's definitely as this. I mean, things are still breaking every day, and President Trump saying new things every day. So it's hard to see what direction we're going to go in. I do have to say, in terms of the Ukraine stuff so far, I've been surprised by sort of the strategies that have been taken, particularly by the Trump administration, um, just in terms of uh, how willing they were to release the the summary of the call mm -hmm. and then also the full complaint by the whistleblower. Um, I was surprised. I thought they would be more likely to sort of try and withhold that information and keep it to themselves because again, it could be damaging. It's been very damaging so far. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I think as far as what you were talking about 
earlier with like is how would it affect the campaign is probably right. Mm -hmm. I think people already have their set opinions and something like this probably won't sway too many mm -hmm. people unless they're really on the fence. Yeah. Which or unless it escalates, which it definitely yeah, could. Yeah, that's also possible. Yeah. But something interesting that I wasn't expecting is that it actually, for at least for Trump, it evolved into an impeachment inquiry, which yeah. no matter all the stuff that's happened in the past, it's never gotten to that, all the Mueller stuff, that's never happened. But this all of a this sudden different. has pushed uh, the Democrats to open up an impeachment inquiry. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that at all? For sure. Yeah. I was definitely very surprised by that because it's like um, there was just so much like pushback within like the establishment uh, Democrats have seen against like opening impeachment inquiries after the Mueller investigation, which like this was the thing that I feel like was just talked about so for so many years about like oh it's going to come out and it's going to be like this uh, this vindication of all these beliefs regarding the Trump administration, and in the end it just kind of petered out. Yeah, I mean I think a big thing there, the difference between this and Mueller or Mueller and the th the, the the reason this is going so differently is because the Mueller thing went very slowly. It went, it was very confusing to follow, no matter how closely you follow it. And this sort of landed all at once and we're getting more details and it's, it's becoming more confusing to follow all the details, but even on the surface level, I think because uh, a large part due to that, those files released by the Trump administration, it's, it's very cut and dry. And it's sort of, there are people who, either believe that's impeachable and believe that's not impeachable. And obviously it has to do with political party yeah. and everything else. But And we should probably clarify for those who don't know that the mm -hmm. whole reason that an impeachment inquiry has been open is because sure. of Trump's uh, phone calls to the U Ukrainian, is it prime minister? President. President. president? president. Okay. Yeah. Ukrainian president. Zelensky. Basically leveraging aid in exchange mm -hmm. for information about Joe Biden's son who has business dealings in Ukraine. And people are, the reason the impeachment inquiry was open because people think it's uh, illegal to basically an improper use of the office. Yeah, yeah, for like election mm -hmm. and we've purposes. seen we've seen a summary of that call, which is sort of like a transcript, but doesn't include the entire call. Um, the reason we know anything about this was because there was a whistleblower within the government um, who wrote up a complaint and talked about those calls. Um, was not themselves on the call. Um, but their account of the call matches what we know about the call from the summary. Um, and uh, we've also seen texts between different ambassadors, the American ambassador to the EU, the American ambassador to Ukraine, um, and sort of uh, they those stories all match up. Um, and Trump hasn't denied that those calls happened. He's sort of gone between saying it's okay and saying that, it didn't happen, and it's a little confusing. It is yeah, also, like, Trump has previously been asked questions about if he would, you know, talk about, or just, like, generally get aid from other countries, mm -hmm. and by aid, I don't mean money, but I mean just, like, discussions and fruitful discussions with other countries if it benefits him in some sort of way, and he kind of had, like, He's always not said no. Yeah. Yeah. He had, I, I won't say he said yes, but he's like kind of implied it. So I feel like those discussions and they have like kind of played a part in just creating this tensions and just like making it so believable that it actually happened. Yeah. Do you guys have any like actual predictions of what might happen? I think. <laughs> Well, this might be like a long shot, but I think he does have potential to get impeached, but I still feel like he's going to stay in office. I think it's overwhelmingly likely that he gets impeached by the House of Representatives. Um, and I think when it 
goes to the Senate. I think it's the we know very little about what's going to happen, which is kind of a lame cop out, but I think it's very hard to tell at this point. Exactly. Um, the sort of like standard, the burden of proof for Republicans turning against him is extremely high, just because so much other, so many other scandals and things like that have happened so far, and they've stuck with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that this is different. How different is still to be determined. And then there's also the possibility that he'll just be elected out of office before anything substantial happens. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or there's the possibility that he'd be removed from office and then reelected. Uh, oh, true. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of different scenarios. And it's just, it would be kind of crazy. Yeah. It, there's just so many different scenarios and it would be very, I don't, I don't think, I really don't think he'd actually get impeached. I know. Even that, by the house or are you talking about the Senate? Um, maybe, maybe by the house, just considering like the over, the overwhelming amount of people that want him out. Mm-hmm. But, at the end of the day, like final outcome, I don't necessarily see that happening. Um, also, because after reading the transcript slash summary of the transcript, it's kind of it's kind of kind of hard to say that it was uh, like gruesomely incriminating necessarily. Ooh, interesting. Um, and now, now this is just his word, but Zelensky is quoted as saying that he didn't feel any sort of pressure. It's complicated too. But that, Zelensky yeah, has to right. He, of course, he probably Trump. has to say yeah. that. And also, we know that before that statement came out, the three hundred ninety-one million in aid was frozen. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking there has to be some sort of pressure. Yeah, and we've seen texts between a guy, I believe his name is Kurt Volker, I believe, and I believe he was the ambassador to the EU, I believe, and so he's those texts. Um, pretty directly show that there was an understanding between people in the Trump administration, people in the Zelensky administration, that sort of that aid coming back um, was conditional on support in the Hunter Biden investigation from Zelensky. So it's hard to say, um, especially because there's so many people. And again, it's it's complicated to keep track of. But it's also interesting to kind of see the split in the Republican Party. For mm-hmm. example, like Mitt Romney is very openly against what Trump is doing mm-hmm. and certainly against him bringing foreign powers into our business, which, I mean, I think we should all be against to some extent. I don't know if we need any foreign countries like meddling within our political uh, political yeah. problems. Yeah. The, that sort of theoretical split among Republicans have been, has been around for a long time. People yeah. have talked about it for a very long time. Um and it's never fully materialized. And I don't know, again, I think it could happen this time, but it's just the standard is so high because we've seen so much other, so many other things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I also kind of agree with uh, with Chad that um, I, just don't, I just don't think, like, the Senate will actually turn against Trump um, because this kind of, like, very, like, heavy-handed way of dealing with, like, other world leaders, I think it's just been, like, very much sort of, like, a hallmark of his presidency, like you kind of saw it, for example, with Mexico, mm-hmm. where he was threatening like economic uh, sanctions in exchange for like Mexican support in dealing with like migrants mm-hmm. coming and visiting from America, and Mexico bowed. It's very transactional. Yeah, very, very much so. He kind of very much so treats it still like as if he's like a CEO and he's mm-hmm. like doing like hard deals, things like that. So, I honestly do think that Trump probably didn't even realize that what he was doing was like so unethical. He probably just thought it was like normal. Yeah. To do these exactly. sort of things. Yeah. 
it also is a kind of a point for him that he was so open about it because a lot of people commentating are like, well, he was so open about it that, you know, they're thinking it's potentially not wrongdoing, but it really depends on... It's a really interesting strategy. We were talking about that a little bit before you got here. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of a subjective outlook on it. My take is I just would probably rather not have, you know, Ukraine or some foreign... Or also China, because he also yeah, recommended that China should investigate them as, as well. It's like, as well as Italy and Australia. Mm, okay, I didn't catch those two. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that's really the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else on the presidential primaries that we want to discuss? There's a Republican presidential primary, theoretically. Oh, true. There is someone that tries mm-hmm. to go again. Yeah. I forgot his name. So there are three, so there are three candidates, candidates running against President Trump in the Republican primary. Um, Bill Weld used to be the governor of Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. Um, there's uh, Mark Sanford, who used to be the governor of South Carolina and also a congressman from South Carolina. Uh, he's an interesting guy. And then there's Joe Walsh, who used to be a congressman from Illinois. Um, what do you think, um, like, the just what, like, what is their reasoning for wanting to go into the primary against President Trump? Because it seems like it's a lost cause. I feel like it's almost 100% that Trump's going to get the nomination. I mean, I think you just said it. I mean, it's it's almost one hundred percent, but it's not one hundred percent, right? So Trump, maybe maybe Trump does get removed, and then they need someone else to run, and then, uh, and so they're already there running a campaign. And I think yes. even then, it's more likely that you could see someone like Vice President Pence or Nikki Haley, who was the former um, ambassador to the UN, uh, step into that primary, or both. But I think that for these three guys, they're looking at. A, they really hate Trump, and they just really want to get the word out that there's an opposition, an opposition, however small that may be. Um, and B, I mean, they're politicians as well. Um, Weld's, Weld's been out of the game for a while, but the other two, I think, are trying to at least leverage their own political stock and see if they can make things happen. Yeah, so you mean like uh, name recognition kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, for sure, that kind of thing. And this is a little bit <clears throat> maybe off off topic, off the beaten path, but regarding Joe Walsh, um, I think there's an interesting snippet of information that I should share in the show Who is America, created by Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit where he pretended to be an Israeli uh, military activist person and was able to dupe multiple congressmen into creating an ad recommending that toddlers or children in school be trained with guns and have guns and Joe Walsh was one of them who went on a commercial willingly and recommended that kids need to have guns um, which I think is one not good yeah and I think I remember this he wrote in on the initial Tea Party wave in 2010 was when he was originally elected Um, yeah Mark Sanford actually when he was governor uh, said he was going to go hike, hike the Appalachian Trail and ended up with a mistress in Argentina. They've all got skeletons in their closet. Do you think yeah. this, the Tea Party still has a lot of ground in American elections? Um, not. It's. I think it's changed the discussion. I think the Tea Party is probably a huge thing that led to Trump. Um, I mean, when you think about, say... Policy-wise, they don't have a lot in common, but I think style-wise, maybe they do. Maybe. Because, I mean, 100% the Tea Party was responsible for 
like the loss of majority in the House and mm-hmm. Senate in 2010 right. under Obama. But when Trump was coming in, Trump brought in like a new form of populism. For sure. Almost, in which he's representing a minority of the of the country, uh, but like in very much just appeals to them. And I guess that could be similar to what the Tea Party did, but I feel like it's almost disconnected to what the Tea Party is trying to do. It is, but they, they do have things in common. They were both both the Tea Party and President Trump at the time, who was just a guy, um, were big supporters of the birtherism theory um, that President Obama wasn't born in the United States. Um, and so I think style-wise, they tend to overlap. I think there's also, again, like that feeling of populism. I, w- I would classify the Tea Party as populists. Um, where they're sort of trying to take advantage of this wave of they're they're ideological in a way that Trump isn't, um, but also sort of um, taking on the establishment, as which definitely Trump is as well. At least he tries to have the image that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as a candidate. Uh, you know, another th- did you have a, something mm-hmm. to say? To- another thing, okay we could talk about is how the Democratic candidates are pretty split on some issues. And I know they, they try to preach for unification of the Democratic Party to get Trump out of office. I hear that in almost every debate I've watched. Mm-hmm. And yet they still seem to kind of, they can't agree on a lot of things. I think the biggest one is health care, oh, which yeah. is like one of the big ticket issues uh, of the Democratic Party. And what does it say that they can't agree on it? So I kind of disagree with your framing of the question. I think that they agree on so much um, that when you get to a thing that they have significant differences on it, I think that that magnifies that one issue. So I think across the board, they're so much more likely to agree with each other than disagree that those few issues that they do have differences on um, get magnified. I think that's a good thing. I think it's important to recognize the policy differences between the candidates and try and make decisions based on that. True, it is good for like an election process. So you're mm-hmm. saying because of the one issue that they don't agree on, that gets magnified and they might talk about that more in the media. And so it gives this image of the Democratic Party being more split on issues when they're actually not. I would agree with that assessment. Okay. It's kind of like the problem with like uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is that like they're just so similar that at this point it seems like, at least like on in online and stuff, you know, like their supporters are just like kind of tearing into each other. Um, just trying to like discern like who is like the pure version of these like policies. It has been interesting to see. There's been like very little sort of squabbling between the candidates on stage, especially compared to the last competitive primary, which is the 2016 Republican primary. They've all sort of at least put on an image of being pretty friendly with each other. Yeah. Also, I feel like in debates, whenever they're like. Uh, arguing it's not about their policy conflicts it's more about the things that they've done in the past Mm -hmm. so I also feel like uh, I kind of agree with Harry here that they do not have a lot of policy differences except apart from healthcare so can I pose a question yeah something that we haven't talked about regarding Democrats what uh, do we think about Andrew Yang and his position I don't know much about Andrew Yang I, myself, to be honest. He's, he's really yeah. interesting. So I like, just, I like him. Yeah, so just background, he's uh, in sixth pretty clearly in the primary right now, um, both in terms of polling. Um, his fundraising is a little better. Um, but um, he's carved out his own little sect of the mm-hmm. of the 
primary. And I, w- I don't know. I guess that, that I disagree with myself a little bit there. I think he's pretty different from the other candidates. In my personal opinion, I think he is a lot more conservative than the rest of the candidates. I think, so. I think that his policy on universal basic income um, tends to, in my opinion, get misbranded as a sort of a liberal idea when it's more sort of aligns with conservative ideals of sort of letting people spend their own money, mm-hmm. um, people knowing, citizens knowing how to spend their money better than the government does. Um, especially looking at the welfare cuts that go along with that. Uh, and then there are other issues, too, as well. In the last debate, um, his opposition to teachers' unions came up as well, mm. um, which is another very liberal uh, stance. Yeah. So is he more like a libertarian, then, in that case? Um, I'm not sure. I would. I think I think he's doesn't fit neatly into any one group. Um, and he does have very liberal ideas on social issues, but... He sort of brought this universal basic income idea into the forefront on a presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a thousand dollars a month? It's a thousand dollars a month for every American. Which he's been doing with, um, man, I want to say fifty family. Anyone? There was so there was one when he started his campaign. He just promised to do like ten more. I think. I thought he had way more. I think it's less than that. As of like a week ago or something. It might be less than that. So it's There's like a double-digit amount of yeah. families that yeah. he was doing this with. And he was going through everything that they were able to do, which I think on the surface definitely seems mm-hmm. pretty good. And um, I think the, the question you got to weigh there is sort of, I mean, everyone's going to be able to buy, buy more things with $1,000 a month, right? Yeah. The, the question you got to weigh is when you it, it's not free. And so when you take it out of people's taxes, that's right. some of it. When you take it out of welfare programs, that's mm-hmm. another some of it. So if I have worse healthcare, but I'm also have more money to spend on healthcare, how does that match up? And I don't know, but I don't, and I don't, I'm not really familiar about his healthcare um, policy, so I can't really speak on that. Mm-hmm. But I read the other day that he's really grabbing a lot of disenfranchised Trump supporters, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and I think I, I don't think he has a path to the nomination he doesn't i mean he's, he's not. not going to but he's um, an interesting and i hesitate to say that because i don't think we know that for sure but i, I think it's i think it's pretty likely I, he's 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 done pretty well so far um but it's like a really sad statement and it's like mildly controversial but i think that knowing america he's will not win mainly because he's asian which is like, that's a crazy, I know it's a crazy statement, but knowing America and how they pick people, yeah, um, I think that's like the one thing that might not be going against him because American people are so nationalistic and they're going to view him as not part of America. Yeah, exactly. And then the other big thing is that most people just tend to fo- focus on the big names. Right, so you're yeah, going to have, you know, Biden, them. Sanders, and Warren are the big three right yeah. now. And I am almost positive it's going to be one of them that gets the nomination yeah Yeah, even if i feel like people genuinely support andrew yang they probably would not you know support him because most of the people know that he's not eventually going to be nominated so they would rather you know turn over the people that are the big names rather than him so yeah yeah it is hard to sort of turn yourself from a niche candidate to a major Someone that's a contender. Yeah. yeah, I remember him talking about how um, I forget what the entity was, 
or the person was, but they're actually trying to stop him from giving his, he's giving his personal money to these families. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that that is potentially like against the rules. Yeah. So which is he was in those, those initial pilot programs were his own money. Those ones he announced the debate were campaign money. Um, so it's hard. I mean, obviously, okay. obviously there are laws that you can't like pay people to vote for you. So like, does it fall under those laws? I don't right. know. I'm not right. a lawyer, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. I would, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's pretty, I don't know, kind of an admirable um, action. Yeah, it's cool that he's sort of. I don't see any wrong doing with it, that's for sure. There's definitely no mal- mis- malintent. Yeah. Um, I think he's just trying to, like, prototype his. Yeah, and I think nobody's questioning that, but laws are laws, you know, so. Well, we've been talking for a while here, so I think it might be good to kind of wrap up our discussion. So just to end it off, we wanted to. Uh, basically remind everyone that Houston elections are going on. We hope you registered. By the time this episode goes up, it'll probably be too late to register or it'll be the last day. Uh, So if you are registered, please vote. Civic duty is very important to us, uh, and we encourage everyone to go out there and play their own part. Uh, If you have your own opinions on the matters that we've talked about today, feel free to leave a comment on wherever you're watching this, if you can leave a comment. And yeah. So once again, I'm Connor. I'm Harry. I'm Orlando. I'm Chad. I'm Cuomo. And we want to remind you to stay connected, stay informed, and stay Stay in the loop. loop.